This week on the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast, Inmates, Season 4, Episode 10, written by Matthew Negrete and Channing Powell and directed by Trisha Brock. Joining us this week to discuss it from Sound on Sight, Process Media, and many other places as well, it's Randy Jankovich. We'll be right back. Sound Insight Walking Dead podcast, and this week we'll be talking about Inmates, the second episode of this half season of The Walking Dead, 4.5, I guess, if you want to go Battlestar numbering. I am Kate Kulzik, TV editor of Sound Insight, and I'm joined as ever by my lovely co-host, general editor of Sound Insight, general editor Ricky D. Hello, Walking Dead universe. And joining us this week on the podcast, uh, back again, is Randy Dankovich. Randy, welcome back. Hey, guys. And... Uh, as we always say at the top of the podcast, we will not be spoiling anything that is yet to come in the comics. I have not read the comics. Ricky has read some of them. Randy, what is your relationship with the comics? I've read about the first 90 of them. Then I gave up. Wait, wait, Kate. Did we swap things around? Because this is what I was confused about last week is you just said we won't spoil anything from the comics. Yes. You mean meaning forward. But I mean, looking back, can I make comparisons? Because last week... I made a comparison and actually censored it in the edit, mm -hmm. which I doubt you listened to our actual podcast, but listeners would have heard a big, huge beep. Oh, okay. It's an interesting element to, to discussing the show, and it comes up a little bit with, uh, with Game of Thrones, and if we did a True Blood podcast, that could come up there too. But really, for Walking Dead, it's, it's very unique, where things that uh, have happened on the show, some of them are frame for frame lifted from the comic book. Some of them are drastically different <laughs> and it's hard to know what some people will consider spoilers. So what we are going to consider spoilers as in things we won't say is anything that is yet to come in the comic book from where we are in the TV show. So we meet Abraham this week, who is a significant character in the comics and we will not be talking about anything that we know, or that I guess, uh, Ricky, that you would know is yet to yes. come with that character. However, since I haven't read the comics, I can speculate all I want. Now this sounds confusing, but I'll give you a prime example in the comic book. Shane dies in the TV show. Shane dies. So I think it's fair that I can compare the death of Shane in the comic book as opposed to TV show. Yes. That makes any sense. But we also will not spoil any future episodes of the TV show in case any one of the three of us have seen future episodes because, you know, some, some of us do get screeners. We won't spoil those episodes. Yes. With all of the caveats out of the way, uh, I enjoyed the, the mid-season premiere. Ricky, you were a little less enthusiastic than I was. Um, Randy, what did you think of the mid-season premiere and how did inmates follow up with that? Was it Did it exceed your expectations or did it fit in with them? Well, I liked I liked um, after the first episode they had back. I thought they did a really good job, you know, drawing connections between Carl and Michonne, and you know, kind of having them face, you know, a fear that 
that was something other than zombies and something that they needed to deal with before they could move on, you know, with their lives in this, you know, post prison, post apocalyptic world. And then I think by the same token, I think everything that makes it um, after good is what inmate suffers from is that it's, you know, it tells four stories and they're each about 10 minutes long. You know, one of them's 11, but the other ones are pretty much 10 and a half minutes. It's pretty, you know, conventional um, framework, but, the contrast in some characters and how interesting their scenes are and the other ones kind of show just how interested the writers of The Walking Dead are in some characters and how obviously uninterested they are in others. I think the the way the episode is framed kind of works against itself and kind of displays the flaws because we see, you know, we spend some time with characters that's really, you know, really interesting, you know, whether with it's with Maggie or, you know, watching Tyrese try and be a father to a bunch of children. You know, that stuff's really interesting. But then we get these other detours, you know, with Glenn and characters like Lizzie and, you know, other people that just haven't been developed that well, Beth. And when when we're spending that much time with these characters in isolation, there has to be something to explore. And it feels like there's a large portions of inmates of where there's not much to explore. That's interesting, and I I'm, I have a feeling that, uh, Ricky, you may be closer to Randy on this one. I actually liked this episode quite a bit, uh, and I, th- I thought parts of it were more successful than last week, and parts of it were less successful, and those kind of come down to, you know, whether or not Carl is giving a soliloquy. But, uh, you know, I really <laughs> liked, actually, this, that opening uh, sequence. I like the structure a lot. I think it works and makes sense, and I, I like the opening uh segment with Beth and Daryl. I thought the, the bringing in the diary was really sweet and nice. And I liked that there was such a strong specter of Herschel, especially in that segment, but really throughout. And then when you, um, when we move over to Maggie, that worked really well for me. Glenn also, I mean, I, I, each of these chunks basically worked for me, at least one of the characters featured, if not both. Um, so I actually sounds like I like this one quite a bit more than you did. Ricky, where do you fall? on inmates well i agree with you kate i have no problem with the structure of the episode i don't think the structure the editing or the writing is a problem i think the problem is what i've discussed in previous episodes and it's how much do we care about these characters and i think in last week's episode there's a good chance that and i could be wrong but there's a good chance that randy probably cares a little bit more about carl michonne than as opposed to say glenn and lizzie and I don't know, whoever else we get this and that stuff. I mean, we do get Daryl. We do get Daryl. We do get Maggie. I know a lot of people are big fans of Daryl and Maggie. But Tyrese? I, yes, I know. But the problem with I think they do a good job with Tyrese in the episode, too. <clears throat> yeah. The problem with Tyrese, though, is we all like Tyrese, but he's surrounded by Lizzie and Mika. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a fan of Lizzie or Mika. I think, okay, this is what I wrote in my review, Kate. I think that basically what Scott M. Kimpel has been trying to do all season long is he's been trying to put an end to unfinished storylines and unanswered questions left over from season three, right? So he came on board as showrunner. Glenn Mazzara was, I guess, fired. I'm not sure what happened to him. And he was left with sort of a mess to clean up. And they have a very different approach in how they are handling The Walking Dead, I feel like Glenn Mazzara liked change, but he was all about moving the story forward as fast as possible. Whereas Scott M. Gimple seems really focused on character development. He's slowing things down. I think they both have 
their positives and negatives in the way they approach telling the story of The Walking Dead and these characters. And I feel like this is, I think and I hope, the final episode in which he finally gets rid of all of this excess, like all of these characters, all of these problems, all of these additional storylines and subplots that came from the Glenn Mazzara era. Yes, it's not the first episode of the second half of this season, but, you know, last week we only had enough time to focus on three characters, Rick, Michonne, and Carl. This week we catch up with the whole entire gang. Like, we, we, we get Beth, we get Daryl, we get Tyrese, Lizzie, Mika, Maggie, Sasha, Bob, and Glenn. Everyone's accounted for, right? The prison is destroyed. They are forced to move to a, a new location to the point where they killed a busload of extras. A busload of extras that came from the previous season, the Glenn Mazzara season, a busload of extras who we did not know, whose names we did not know, people who we didn't care about. Now, I'm willing to forgive The Walking Dead up until this point. I'm willing to make excuses for the show, and I'm willing to keep on watching The Walking Dead. But it's got to end. It's got to end, and it's got to move forward, because this fucking show is not moving forward. It's moving around in circles. And I think now, maybe, with Scott M. Gimple as showrunner, and I do have hope in this, in him taking over the show, I do think he can do a really good job, because he's proven that he can structure and write some really good episodes, some of the best episodes, including Claire. I'm hoping that from now on, meaning next week when I come on the podcast, I'm going to be very, very positive because everything is done and over with. The governor is dead. These additional characters are dead. We can move on. We can move forward. And I think that's why I like the way the episode ended. It's not just because we get Abraham. It's not just because we get Abraham. It's because I think we're finally going to move forward and stop walking around in circles. I know the show's called The Walking Dead. That doesn't necessarily mean I want to see characters walking around circles like zombies. <laughs> well, I think that says a lot about why we have such different t takes on these couple of episodes. And we, I think we're both generally positive. But for me, this has always felt like a show that was going to just continue for way too long and not really have a much of a thrill. I'm not surprised that the characters are doing the same things over and over again, because if they weren't going to do that, this wouldn't work as a TV show. This would work as a two hour movie. So as soon as you're making a zombie apocalypse weekly TV show, that is a huge hit. And therefore that AMC is going to want to keep around forever. I don't actually expect a cure. I don't expect an answer or a solution. And so then I adjust my expectations to, you know, hoping that it's fun along the way or that it's interesting. And so maybe that, maybe that's part of it. Randy, where do you fall with that? Well, I think it's always, the journey is always more important than the destination. And I think the walking dead kind of has a unique opportunity in the fact that it has this world that, you know, they, they don't have to solve the problem of, you know, where did these zombies come from? It's never been a show that's, I mean, for a brief period, it seemed like it was going to be about that, but it really hasn't been. And I don't think it ever should be. And I think this is the kind of show that can begin with an event as it does with the zombie apocalypse, but doesn't necessarily have to end with one. And I think slowly the show's moved away from the last season, you know, these bigger events and these large, you know, dramatic overarching stories and you know we're starting to see smaller more self-contained things which i think is promising for the show's future but i still think there's room for improvement and some there's still a lot of fat to be trimmed before they have enough room and enough developed characters for it to remain engaging for an hour long you know for an hour straight i mean there's the entire sequences of 
the even the last two episodes that have dragged along, you know, just because they have interesting things to say about a few of these characters, but they don't have a lot of interesting things to say. They have a few interesting things to say, and they got to stretch that out for a longer time. But, 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 you know, I say this show's been moving around in circles because let's be honest here. Every season is about these, these people regrouping. They find a new home. They separate. The home gets destroyed. They have to look for a new home. Rinse and repeat. Spoiler, that's what it's about. That's what The Walking Dead is about, though. I I know, but that's a problem. And and the the thing is, that's why I think it's moving around in circles. And I think the problem with the show, in all honesty, is that the characters, every single one of these characters will turn into a zombie. And so it just feels like the whole entire show is concerned about who's going to die next. And maybe that's my problem with The Walking Dead. Maybe it's just time for me to break up with the show. Because I'm just kind of tired of it. I feel like it's repeating itself. It's repeating ideas. And that's why I'm hoping for something different. And I think we're going to have to talk about baby Judith really soon. Because, (laughs) you know, and I wrote this in my review. And we talked about this at the mid-season finale. We talked about her death. And I was convinced that she wasn't dead. And I was like, there's no way that that baby is dead. And if she was dead, then that was the worst way to kill off a baby. I didn't think that they would actually kill off the baby for many reasons. Maybe they're afraid to lose advertisers. But more importantly, I think baby Judith offers a hope, okay? And maybe potentially, and I I speculated about this before in previous podcasts, maybe she offers a cure because she is the first person, as far as we know, that is born after the zombie apocalypse. So maybe she's immune to this disease. I don't know. This is just me speculating. But I think that this is the kind of show that can be around for 10, maybe 15 seasons because it's so damn popular, right? But it's got to have some kind of final destination. You know, it's got to have some kind of idea as to where it's headed because Robert Kirkman is a producer of the show. He's the writer and creator of the comic book. He said in an interview in Rolling Stone magazine, he said that he can write 1,000 issues of The Walking Dead. He can write 1,000 issues of his comic book. There's no way in hell they can turn 1,000 issues of a comic book into a TV show. Half of the cast would probably be dead before they can even complete <laughs> that. The show is going to have to end before the comic book ends, so they're going to have to find an alternate way to end it. And the only way to end the show is to offer some kind of hope and or cure. And I think that's where baby Judith comes in. Uh, see, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I don't agree with that. Just because you you don't have just because you have an, you know you need to have an ending at some point because you're a television show doesn't mean that that ending has to be constructed around some big event or some something like that you know this is a world where you can find hope in smaller things it doesn't have to be a cure or anything like that that's not what the walking dead is about and i think no but i, I think, think suggesting that the show needs to go in that kind of direction is kind of betraying what the walking dead is about the walking dead is just about you know moving forward and surviving it's not really about finding answers or it's you know if, if you introduce a cure into the show then you're turning it into a completely different kind of show than it is yeah but it seems that the show itself disagrees with you randy because the whole entire season is about being it's not about survival it's about actually living finding reasons to live and feel alive not about just surviving for the next morning the next sunset or the next sundown and and that's the thing like like maybe the baby represents some kind of hope, some kind of look into the future, some kind of reason for these people to move on for us to keep watching. Well, and I think also what what is uh, – I mean, it's something we talked about on the podcast before. What is satisfying to, to a mainstream comics audience is going to be very different than what is satisfying to a mainstream television audience. And after X number of years, if this, if this show is still as hugely popular – uh, and hugely highly rated as it is 
now people are going to want there to be some sort of a resolution. Uh, this is not going to be a Soprano situation where people are happy to be arguing about how it ended for a long time. But now if the show wants to just embrace that nihilistic uh, approach uh, or, or where it doesn't have to have a, a cure or, or a solution or a finite ending, um, then that's fine. But I think viewers are going to get frustrated. And I think that's sort of maybe where you're at right now, Ricky, with it is that I, I actually absolutely agree. They don't need to have a, a ending point. They don't need to have an answer at the end of the show, but they need to change something. Because right now what's been happening is the characters, they've been talking all season. Mm -hmm. Many of the characters have been talking about, we need to, you need to be living for something, not just surviving, but living. And so that, that, that idea gets you know brought up here as well with Beth. But, but then people just say that and we don't see any examples of yeah. people actually living and having any element of their life that isn't just you know repetition where it's, get up and two people start to get hopeful that maybe they won't have a horrific end of season bloodbath and the rest of the characters go no we're gonna have a horrific end of season bloodbath and that's what happens we like for example just skipping over the maggie and glenn wedding for example that would have been a wonderful opportunity to show something positive and happy in their lives and uh it's something we, we discuss a lot but if they're gonna really not try to come up with any sort of plot developments that really get us more engaged in that element of it. They need to do a lot more with the character development and with the character journeys. So we feel like the characters are changing. Well, but I think that's what Scott M. Gimple is trying to do, but I think he's still trapped in some of the leftovers from the previous season, because even if he came on board at the beginning of season three, he was still taking over for Glenn Mazzara. And there was still some, some, some storylines and some ideas and some characters that they were already planning on writing to the first half of the season. But as the season progressed, I feel like he's really eliminated those ideas, those previous characters and storylines and subplots and unanswered questions. And he's trying to start fresh as, you know, like at his own starting point. Like I think this, I think the next episode will really be his official starting point where he's free of, oh those traps. And again, I don't know, because I don't sit in the writer's room. This is just me speculating. And as far as baby Judith goes, I'm just speculating. Like, I, and I even wrote this in my review. I'm 100% sure I'm wrong. But there's a part of me that likes to think I'm right, that maybe she will stay alive. And maybe if the show does go for 10 seasons or 15 seasons, you know, Carl and Judith are going to be the people that we follow and watch them grow. I don't know. But you know, I got to go back to the mid-season finale. Like we talked about this prior in last week's episode and the episode before where we talked about her death and what i said was it, it it didn't make any sense because to me the way they handled her her scenes in the mid-season mid-season finale it was just poorly directed because it left viewers completely confused like it was like after the episode ended everybody was arguing about whether or not the baby was still alive well that was the point i think that was the idea yeah but they did it poorly yeah, they did it poorly yeah they, i'm not saying they did a good job of it but that's what they were trying to do well if that's what they were trying to do it, it, it took away what could have been an emotional devastating moment for us the viewers and just left us in complete confusion like if, if it was if it was well-directed, we would have been emotionally devastated. And then if she came back, we would have had this big smile on her face. But when she came back in this episode, I didn't think it was a big surprise because, A, I was expecting it. And, B, 
just the way the camera was framed, like you see Tyrese from behind and you see just the way his arms are positioned and you can see her leg dangling from the side. It was obvious that he was holding the baby. And I was just like, couldn't they have filmed it and just like, I don't know, like have a different angle of the camera shot or something just to kind of have more of that like wow factor like oh my god the baby's alive and and even the way carol reappears in this episode oh yeah so uh, i was like really guys i think i think carol's a wasted opportunity i think she was a wasted opportunity i think judith's supposed death was a wasted opportunity and i think her reappearance was a wasted opportunity i thought this episode was in many ways poorly directed and i thought the mid-season finale was poorly directed well, I actually think uh, for me, the, the Carol reveal actually worked uh, significantly in a sort of, wait, is he imagining this kind of moment because it was so surreal to just have them to have him turn around and they're all there. So and, and because also we've followed, you know, head Lori for way too many episodes uh, previously. So that's not something that the show wouldn't do. But I would agree that the the reveal was poorly handled or it wasn't effective. I shouldn't say it was poorly handled. It, was, it wasn't effective for me with Judith this week because it felt far too much like a cheat. If, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it didn't fit with what we had been shown in the mid-season finale with where Tyrese was and where the kids were. So it, it felt uh, convenient and it didn't feel particularly earned. Um, but I, I didn't have as big of an issue with Carol, particularly because I'm trusting that there, is, there are fireworks to come because I, she's going to tell Ter- Therese that she was the one who killed Karen and the other guy whose name I don't remember. Uh, so I'm, tr- I'm assuming that we're going to get more of that to come. Randy, what did you think of, of that? Well, I think, I think the problem with Carol's reveal, actually, it's kind of a minor detail, but when she talks about watching the um the governor attacked the prison i feel like that was kind of uh, the show kind of robbed us by not showing us at some point you know seeing her watching this scene happen because it raises so many questions about why she why she decided to return even against rick's wishes why how she just ended up with the kids afterwards did she follow tyrese until he disappeared and what was she doing with the kids was she just going to claim them and bounce until you know the kids were like oh we need to go get Tyrese cuz you know he's getting ambushed over here i mean it, it, her reveal was more confusing than anything cuz she just kind of shows up out of nowhere and it's like oh carol's back but <laughs> why and how didn't didn't rick just like tell her that if she came back he was going to blow her away like what the hell is she doing here? Why did she just watch all this go down outside the prison and just kind of go, nah, that sucks. And and then what? I, it was very weird. And I think it kind of not showing us her anything that she's done since her and Rick, since Rick told her off, it kind of robs us, you know, some intrigue about, you know, what Carol's agenda may be. And I think it's the same kind of cheat by not showing us anything and then just kind of having it reappear out of nowhere it's it's played for melodramatic effect and not only does it not work at that but it kind of sells a character short as well you know there's so much stuff that happens off screen in season four i feel like they can create a whole entire season four the b-sides like everything that happens. maybe that's the spinoff and maybe everything that happened off screen like not just carol like supposedly hiding in the bushes and spying on the prison and watching the governor attack the prison which makes no sense but also like glenn getting off the bus like when did glenn get off the bus we, we saw glenn get off the bus 
No, yeah, did. he got off the bus to look for Maggie, and then Maggie got on the bus. And was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get off and look for Glenn." I remember Glenn getting on the bus. I don't remember him getting off the bus. Yeah, they're a bad saw... couple. No communication. <laughs> uh, no, no, I think you guys are wrong. No, I, we... I don't think. No. There's no way. There's no way yeah. they constructed a whole entire scene of Maggie going into a bus and taking out one zombie after another zombie after the next zombie to kind of build the suspense. Like there could possibly be a Glenn zombie at the end of that bus. Well, actually, excuse me. I think she got on the bus first and then was yeah. like, I got to go get Glenn. Yeah. Like, I gotta go. She, she went to go get Beth and mm-hmm. then we saw Glenn start to follow her, but stop in the doorway of the bus. It's no. not, and it's no. that, that really saw, feels like, no, we saw, Glenn. I don't even know if she actually knew if she really thought he was on the bus or not. I don't think she knows. No, no, we saw Glenn get on the bus and the bus drive away with Glenn on the bus. So that's what happened in mid season finale. And that's mm-hmm. why in this episode, when no, because didn't... no, that's not. Oh. <laughs> well, then, well, then, explain to me why. Because Glenn got knocked out by a tank um, round, I believe. Isn't that you what guys, knocked him out? Not him sideways. Sure this. You're willing to place a bet because then why would they direct the whole entire? I didn't say anything about gambling. What well, is this? Be- because Maggie thinks that Glenn is on the bus, and for and and I would place a bet because I remember watching it. What the where we last see him is he's calling out after Maggie. Because uh, she's gone off to find Beth and bring Beth back to the bus, and then and then the next time she sees the bus is pulled away, and the last time we see Glenn, he's standing in the doorway of the bus, and uh, calling out after Maggie, and it's not, I don't feel like it's a cheat for him to, for us to find out that he got off the bus after the camera turned away and followed her, and okay, then got knocked only- out. There's- there's only one way to resolve this issue. I'm gonna have to rewatch the mid-season finale when we finish <laughs> podcasting to see who's right. But I'm just saying that there it makes no sense because why would they construct and orchestrate this entire sequence where they try to convince the viewers that Glenn could possibly be on the bus to the point where when she gets to the driver's seat, they film from behind where it looks like the zombie could possibly be Glenn because they had the same kind of hairstyle and haircut, and they try to trick the viewers and they do this. Continuous. They, 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 this is a trademark of the show, though. This is just cheap melodramatics. I mean, this is what a lot of television shows do. I mean, this is nothing new for The Walking Dead. They did. They they do this all the time. Okay. Well, yes, they do, and that's the next thing I want to talk about, which is what I wrote in my review. It's it's about how they continue to, to use these bait and switch techniques and these fake outs to the point where it's no longer surprising. Example: In this episode, Baby Judith gets reintroduced into the series after you know supposedly she died only to have evil lizzie pretend to suffocate the baby and then there's a cutaway and as if we actually thought that she was going to actually kill the baby when they just reintroduced the baby after faking the baby's death there's no way they're gonna kill the baby right away after faking the baby's death and then what happens we get this cut and we get carol and it's back to the, the situation with maggie on the bus and I'm kind of a little annoyed and fed up of this repetition that I've been talking about on the podcast all season long about how they are recycling ideas and beats and, you know, camera shots and and whatnot. There's just so much repetition. This is what I mean about how it's going around in circles, not just in story, not just in characters, but even in terms of ideas and direction, everything. It's like it's unbelievable. It's like I have a lot of faith in Scott M. Gimple, but stop recycling all the ideas from previous seasons to the point where in this episode early on, when we follow Beth and Daryl, they, of course, have to show a scene in which they are getting surrounded by zombies. And, of course, what happens to Beth? She runs out of bullets. How many times have we seen a character run out of bullets? 
Well, you did get something new. You got Glenn literally running through a pile of zombies with the power of love in his heart. <laughs> well, and, and the reason we're seeing the characters run out of bullets is because they haven't had to worry about bullets since Clear. And they're very clearly establishing that each of these groups is just about out of bullets, so they're back to where they were before that. I don't have a problem with that. And as for the as for the scene with Lizzie and the baby, I didn't I don't think we we're supposed to think she was gonna kill the baby in that point. I think the point was focusing in on her growing detachment. Lizzie's creepy. She yeah, kills and, rabbits. <laughs> uh so, so there's a growing detachment there and then in when it's the comparison and contrast between Lizzie and Mika of the one who is, you know, you, a little too focused on, on she's not stopping Judith from being able to breathe because she's making she's still crying. You can still hear her crying, but it's muffled, so it's not like she can't breathe. You know, like so it's I, I don't know. I think it's not quite as cut and dry as that. Uh, I would agree with you in terms of writing, but not in terms of direction because I mean it does cut away. It cuts away for a reason because it's supposed to be suspenseful. We're supposed to believe that she could possibly kill the baby. I understand it's trying to show us as if we didn't already know that Lizzie is crazy and insane and a psychopath and a sociopath. We already know this. If it's trying to reinforce the idea or trying to remind people in case someone forgot, okay, fine. I understand that they're trying to show that Lizzie's crazy, but there is no way in hell that they were actually going to fool anyone to, in, into thinking that she was going to possibly go ahead and kill the baby. There's no way. But that's what I mean. It's cheap tricks. You see it in horror films all the time. I'm a big, huge fan of horror films. And it's like the cheap scares, the cheap jump scares, the cheap bait-and-switch techniques. And the problem is The Walking Dead has used it so often in every single episode that's no longer surprising. I want the element of surprise when it comes to the suspense and the action. Um, and apart from that, I want the show to move forward and I want to see more character development. I, I think the, the Maggie scene, it worked for me based on Lauren Cohen's performance that, yeah, if this was the kind of show that was, would be willing to kill Glenn, I would have believed that they had killed Glenn, except I know the show too well. To, they're not going to do that. Um, but I still think that her performance really made that moment work. And uh, and the other thing I will say, the last thing I'll say about Lizzie is I, I think it's helpful to keep in mind that that you, Rick, you write a review of Walking Dead every week, and we record a podcast about Walking Dead every week. So for us... Of course, Lizzie's uh, you know, has a growing sociopathy or something. Something significant is going on with her because we talk about it for an hour every single week. A lot of viewers, most of the time when we see Lizzie, she seems normal. So I, I don't think some, you know, all of these elements, some of them, yes, I absolutely agree with you. But other ones, I think they deserve a little bit more leeway than maybe uh, we're, we're giving them right now. I have to make a correction. I never complain about Maggie's performance or the actress's performance on the bus. No, but but the the moment didn't work for you. No, and I'm no, saying I'm it did work for me. The moment didn't work for me when we were talking about Lizzie suffocating the baby, and all of a sudden, oh, okay. like, all of a sudden, it cuts to Carol, and it's like like Randy said that was a wasted opportunity. But but Maggie Maggie on the bus that scene worked, and I also love Glenn's scene when he when when they have like the point of view uh, camera shot. He puts on all the gear and he's got like, I guess like a, it's like a helmet cam. It's not really a helmet cam, but it's from the point of view of his helmet. I really like the way that scene was directed. Well, when you say things that we always compliment, I wanted to specifically compliment the score this week while Glenn was walking around the prison. I, I really loved that simple piano uh, uh, dissonant chord, you know, just a 
two simple lines that were in, you know, dis creating dissonant chords. It was really lovely. Uh, Randy, how did that prison sequence work for you? Well, I liked it. I, I liked the ideas, you know, I liked the both Maggie and Glenn, what they did with both of them. I really liked, but I think Maggie's works a lot better because she's a much more complex character than Glenn is. I mean, Glenn's whole speech and they also kind of, they gave Glenn the worst dialogue in the episode. He gives that stupid speech about, believing and believing and then you have to believe because then it's true and all this crap like i understand the sentiment behind it you know you he's he's trying to be positive and he's trying to you know you know manifest his future and all that kind of weird shit but and honor herschel but uh it just was so overwrought and trite and it reminded me actually i, I you know uh best diary entry in the opening i really could have I could have done without that too. You know, it's those kind of things that are explaining things in such a simple, it's just a simple, simplified manner that it's just not it's not effective. I don't Glenn's character is just not doing it for me anymore. Well, he's a he's a hypocritical character because he he, he acts as the script requires him to, and the script requires him to be, you know, strong and confident. He's perfectly capable of doing it, but when they need him to sit around and be emotional and you know not take any steps forward with his life and just sit around and whine i mean he becomes difficult to be around like i can't believe a character like glenn after all we've seen him do over the past you know three and a half four seasons all the shit he's been through that when shit goes sideways at the prison things are clearly gone wrong and you know maggie's nowhere to be found he's just gonna sit there and cry about it like at this point after all the shit they've seen the 18 months of trauma these people have been through they're either numb to this kind of stuff because they've just lived in shock for so long and in stress or they're they're just totally instinctual and they're moving from place to place and they're you know he's getting the fuck out of there i mean it's just it's so ridiculous it's such a ridiculous notion to think that he's just going to sit there and have a cry session before he you know puts on his armor and then pushes through this huge group of zombies and and actually does something it's just such a weird dissonance to the character i mean do you want him to be do you want to portray him as weak or do you want to portray him as strong like make a choice but but you know all, this is what i don't understand about all these characters is that okay the governor shows up at the prison he blows the prison up there's fire to walker storm gates etc etc and then they all walk around the prison. Some of them return to the prison. Michonne goes back to the prison. Glenn's still in the prison. He gets off the bus, returns to the prison. At, at, at various points in the episode, they're walking along the train tracks. Nobody ever thinks about maybe leaving some kind of like sign and or symbol and or something. So in case there is a survivor, they know that they are still alive and they can look for so-and-so. Like, I don't know, right in the sand, like, take some spray paint right i am still alive like it doesn't make any sense like glenn's in the prison it's like you said he should be motivated to look for maggie or at least look for her dead body at least maggie, just do something yeah maggie made sense maggie, do anything. maggie needed to know if he was dead or alive she moved forward she went through the bus and she killed one zombie after the next zombie after the next zombie because she needed to know she needed those answers glenn stops sits on the bed and starts crying well but i think it's i think it's good to see some sort of response because it does make these people feel more human or more relatable if at least one character is just overcome. And that's why I actually specifically really liked the staging of Beth at the end of the, the Beth and Daryl moment where she just can't take it anymore, but she doesn't fall down and start crying. She's like 
basically screaming <laughs> to herself but she acting. but 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 she's still <laughs> but she's still standing because she's not at the point where where she can't she's overcome unfortunately this is more familiar to her than that yeah but she can't move either i really like the specificity of that choice of of, of the staging and then of course daryl's walking away and they she joins up with him and they walk away but little moments like that i think go a long way towards making these feel more like people than like the husks of ruined destroyed souls they would actually be if they were well, i mean yeah this. i'm not saying you need to remove those moments like i think something like when tyree sees carol and you know the, the look on his face you know chad coleman is fantastic in you know the few chances that tyrese has given to be emotional about things and you know, I think in moments like that, it works well. But when, you know, we're sitting there and the score's playing and Glenn's, you know, sitting there with tears rolling down his face, I think it sells itself short. You know, I think it more, I think I, I agree he needs to have a response because it is what makes these people human. But that kind of response, again, it plays to the, just the cheapest, the lowest common melodramatic, you know, denominator you can reach. And it, it just makes his character even less enjoyable to be around. Yeah, and it, and just quickly going back to Beth, like I think my problem with the opening is I like the way it was structured, and I didn't really like the dialogue, like the voiceover, but I was okay and I accepted the voiceover because I felt like it was the way this character would write. Like she would not be the world's greatest writer. <laughs> it's, it's her personal diary, but then it goes back to the performance, and her performance isn't strong, and that reminds me of last week's episode where I thought last week's ep- episode was far superior to this week's episode. A pretty good episode, but it had two scenes that just completely stood out, and it stood out for the wrong reasons. It stood out because Chandler Riggs just couldn't deliver the performance needed for those specific two scenes. His acting range isn't good enough. And in this sequence, we get Beth, and her performance wasn't great. It wasn't good enough to sell what she needed to sell. And I still say that uh, I like Beth and I enjoy Beth. The The scene of her yelling at Daryl at the campfire, that didn't work for me. But the rest of her material did, and the performance did work for me this week. And the other character I want to make sure to mention, because I, th- I feel like we're, we're starting to repeat ourselves, but the other character I did want to mention is I really enjoyed the reaction we get from Tara, who's the character we who's the new character. We don't really know her very well, but just sort of the shock. Cause of course, when you think about where she's been and how sheltered she was for so long in that apartment with, with her, with her family, not even knowing what's going on or how to kill a Walker. I think that just sort of stunned silence, just unable to really move. I thought that made sense from her. And that was another sort of different reaction we could have because she is newer to this zombie apocalypse kind of world. Are you talking about the character locked up in a birdcage? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, One other weird moment that I noticed, did anybody find it weird that after that guy's father got his half his neck chewed out and they told him where to go, nobody killed him? But they just kind of just left them there dying. They were just like, all right, see you later. Tyrese well, looks back at him and says, all right, see you later, guy. I know, right? Good luck. He's going to turn into a walker. And I, I don't know. I was confused about that myself. I thought it, I thought it was odd. Because the thing that was confusing about that scene is I wasn't sure if Carol knew these people and or if she just, you know, happened to show up at the very same time, at the very same time that Tyrese showed up and they were attacked by the zombies. It's 
That's the thing is just Carol's such a blank, you know, it's such a, it's so many unanswered questions that don't need to be there. And you know what I don't understand about these two or three gentlemen? Like they have guns, they have weapons. How did like two or three walkers that walk so incredibly slow kill them? Because if they were that um, weak, if they, if they couldn't handle those weapons, if they couldn't take out three or four walkers, how did they survive? For such a long period of time. It just didn't make any sense. That's the thing. It's like, let's write this into the screenplay to get Tyrese away from the girls because the plot demands it so we can find a way to reintroduce Carol and reintroduce her in the worst way possible. I, I would love to be as positive as you are, Kate. I used to once be very positive, just like you when watching The Walking Dead, and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> well, and again, the thing that's because I'm, I have... I had lower expectations or have maybe still do of the show than you do. I'm not as big of a fan of, I wasn't as big of a fan of the earlier seasons. And so this, I, I'm not being let down or I'm not feeling frustrated because I see the, some, many of the flaws, not all of the flaws, but I see many of the flaws that you do as well, but they're ones that I was seeing in season one and in season two. And it's like, this is what I have expect from the show. And so when there are character moments, like the, this, this season, season four has really had, that that work for me that uh, you know I feel really you know moments that that really work then I enjoyed the episode and that's what I saw in this week's episode that's what I saw last week's episode and that's what I saw with pretty much everything that wasn't a governor based episode in the uh -huh. first half of the season do we so, have any other sorry any other elements to this episode we want to discuss any other we we haven't really talked about Abraham. Well, I think it's too early to talk about Abram. I mean, yeah, I think game. it's too early to talk about him and Eugene and, and Rosalita. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they didn't even introduce themselves by name. So if you haven't read the comic book, I think we should just, you know, stay away from talking about them. But I, I yeah. guess you must be happy, Kate, because that means you have maybe another 15 years of podcasting The Walking Dead. Because <laughs> according to Robert Kirkman, he's 34 years old, and he says he can write the comic book up until he's 65. He can write up to 1,000 issues of The Walking Dead to the point where episode 700 or issue 700 would be about people delivering mail. Yeah, yeah, he's talking out of his ass, bro. Yeah, a, a comic book is not a TV show, and uh, the audience is not going to stick around for this show well, for the that long. <laughs> the, think... the audience keeps growing. The audience is for not going to stick around show, that's a bubble. for this. It's like anything else. It's yeah. a bubble that will burst. If when, they don't start with a show changing that's serialized. things, yeah. Exactly. When will when will it burst, guys? It, it, the rains get higher and I think higher. it's got. I think once the spinoff comes in, I think I don't. I don't think the spinoff's going to take off. The way I mean, obviously, it's too early to kind of really project. I'm I'm talking out of my ass now, but <laughs> I don't think the spinoffs going to take off as as well as they think they do. And I think The Walking Dead's probably got about another two or three seasons before people, you know, general audiences start to catch on that this is kind of starting to go. You know, things are cyclical in this show. Because I mean, now they're introducing Terminus, which I don't want to speculate on what I think that is, but it's obviously a place. Well, Terminus is Atlanta. We. Terminus is Atlanta. That's what Atlanta was initially Yeah, called. but there's different there's different places that they could be, you know, unless this is something completely new that they're not drawing from, you know, from the comics. Uh -huh. There are still, but still, the idea is still there. They're going to a place, and usually in that place, there's going to be a group of people, and then the group of people get together, and then they separate. You know, this is this is the cycle of the show, and I think it's only a matter of time at this point before people realize, catch on, and say, oh, wait, this is going to happen again and again and again. It's the law of diminishing returns. You, know, you just tell the same story over and over again. Even, 
you know, the lowest, you know, I don't want to denigrate anybody that watches television, but the kind of people that watch, you know, look for television in the most simple form are going to get tired of it. Well, hold on a second. Isn't NCIS like the most popular show period and they re- they've been different but you're talking about a completely different audience. Yeah, it's a very audience. different audience. And, it's, and the reason NCIS has been on for so long and is still so popular is because what they do, they do very well for the okay. most part. Okay. Wh- and it spun off from a juggernaut. Well, was know, it was it lost about a bunch of people walking around in circles on an island? No, I think you're thinking of Lord of the Rings. No. <laughs> people just walking. Know. I've only seen one season of Lost. <laughs> no, Lost is wonderful. And uh, I, I love Lord of the Rings as well. But as soon as we're talking about all these other shows, it tells me we don't have more to say about The Walking Dead. The final thing I'll add, I, I thought you would be pleased, uh, R- Randy, We, I thought you'd be pleased, Ricky, we did not get a, a flamethrower, but we got a Molotov cocktail. So asking you shall receive. Any other requests? <laughs> I have a lot of requests. Kill off Glenn. <laughs> no. The, uh, any other uh, things you want? Uh, creative violence or, or, or things you want the characters to do as opposed to things you want the writers to do. Okay, here's the thing. This show takes place in a post-apocalyptic setting with a bunch of zombies running around. Half the world's population is wiped out. That means everything should be turning upside down. Planes should be falling from the sky. Factories should be blown up. Dams should be like falling apart. I think that's our. We're a year and a half in though. Where I think we're past that stage of the world. That's all already happened. But we don't see the damage. We don't see like the animals flooding the city. We don't see any animals. Why? Because we're we... in rural Georgia right now. I know, but maybe maybe we need to get out of the countryside. You know, like, you know, one of the reasons why I love last week's episode is because it took place in the suburbs, the majority of the episode. And it was like a new setting. And even though it was just the suburbs, it was refreshing than the countryside because all we see is dirt roads and trees and forest and trees and dirt roads. And we might. Possibly- but when you got to kill 80 zombies, your budget for scenery is going to be a little bit lower. <laughs> I, I guess. I, I mean, you can tell where the money is spent on that show. Yeah, but you know what? One of the best episodes, actually the best episode, is the pilot. And remember what the pilot does? Well, the pilot, I'm sure, had a massive budget. Maybe. (laughs) Well, any other final thoughts? Uh, Ricky, final thoughts. Anything else? Well, I still want to see – the point I was trying to get to here is I still want to see animals, like dogs, giraffes. Like, no joke. Like, you know, maybe they can eventually pass a zoo. Who knows? Um, like I am I'm, legend. Well, it's because I'm just wondering what's happening with the with the animals. Like, are the zombies eating the animals? Because they're too slow to catch the animals. And anyways, um, and in terms of final thoughts, um, I'm hoping that this is the last time I'm going to be bitching and negative. I really, really am looking forward to next week's episode. Like for the first time in season four, I'm really excited for the next episode. Randy, final thoughts. Uh, two final thoughts, actually. Uh, the first one was it took me forever until I watched the episode a second time to realize that why Beth was so upset. And it was because she was looking at the bodies of the two other kids that had left the prison in the the mid-season finale that I think got separated from Lizzie and Mika. And those were the two. I, I looked online and confirmed that it was. Those are the two people that they showed up and looked at getting eaten that were kind of gone that caused Beth to break down. Mm-hmm. And the second was, did anybody notice a, they, there's a distinct shot of, I'm trying to remember exactly where it is, but it's a little black girl's shoe 
that's shown on the side of the road, just kind of absent there. And I was wondering if you guys noticed that, had any thoughts about it. I don't want to, I, I have an idea what it is because I think this episode kind of very quietly plays around with the idea of time. They never really settle in on if all these four of these stories are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if anybody had any thoughts on that before we left and if they picked up on it or well, if I'm just crazy. No, I, I think that's why we keep getting the reoccurring shot of the sign that says, um, sorry, that says careful inmates can be hitchhikers because that sign indicates uh, not only a place, but it indicates who's headed in the right direction. And clearly they, they are playing around with time because there's no way that say Tyree shows up at that very specific location next to the sign by the train tracks. And then five minutes later, say like Maggie shows up and or Glenn shows up and whatnot. And so I think that is a question that will be answered hopefully in the next episode. And I do remember clearly the shot that you're talking about. Um, It was really oddly framed, but it was there, but I'm not entirely sure what it means. And we'll see. We'll see what they do next week. That's kind of where I'm. I am with it. Uh, I got the sense that each we were seeing each of these groups of characters in a pass through a similar area chronologically, and we could tell. Uh, or actually, I suppose we know they didn't because we know Therese was first, um, and then we know that Beth came later because they found the walkers that Therese had helped them kill. Uh, so we got some semblance of of the of the chronology, but definitely that's an element that they could be playing with. And we'll see what they give us next week for answers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I, that's why going back to the one positive thing I said, all podcast long at the very beginning of the podcast, I like the structure of the episode. Well, thank you, uh, Randy, so much for coming on to talk about walking dead with us. Uh, where can our listeners find your writing online? Well, you can find me. I write about The Walking Dead and True Detective and some other HBO shows at uh, TV Over Mine. And I'm also obviously at Sound On Sight and Process Media and Geeks Unleashed. And you can find me on Twitter at Process Media. Well, thank you again, Randy, for coming on. Next week, we'll be talking about the next episode, Claimed, written by Nicole Beatty and Seth Hoffman, directed by Seth Mann. Seth Mann, uh, I probably pronounced that wrong. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and come back uh, next week to hear us talk about the next episode. Precious memories, how they linger, how they ever flood my soul in the stillness of the midnight. Precious sacred scenes unfold. Precious memories, how they linger, how they ever flood my
my childhood. 